What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 196. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. The gang is all here for their first full episode of the season. We were able to get everyone. Almost, almost didn't because if you notice, I sound a little bit nasally because my sinuses have exploded. But how are you guys doing tonight? Not too shabby. This weather's stupid, but uh, like, yeah, you would think that warm weather would be cool, but it's not because... People that have allergies are dying. Literally, it's the worst thing ever. I'm not sure they're literally dying, but we really, 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 really don't feel good. Feels like death. It might as well be death. I'm in the same boat with the fucking allergies and, uh, you know, the nasal bullshit and the post nasal drip and all that stuff. Um, Thankfully, the Claritin D, no free ads, um, has helped out a lot. And uh, has the flow nays as well. So it's all going here and uh, seems to be working out well. Um, I am doing great. The weather is miserable here. As if you guys are watching the Monday night football game, it is absolutely miserable. Like the Chicago Bears might actually beat the Patriots tonight. So wait, what does them beating the Patriots have to do with the weather? He's blaming it on weather. Miserable out right now. Like they could win three. It's three nothing right now. They could win by that margin. It's no. I'm saying, what's the weather? It's like raining and foggy and cold and everything else. So, so Um, it's football weather. Yeah, it's football weather. But you know, Tyler makes it sound like it's lava and meteors and the ground is breaking open. No, it's just rain and some cold. It's normal weather that they've played in before. This weather sucks. And if they're the Patriots, they should be used to it because the weather in Massachusetts is normally garbage. Yes, kind of like Michigan. It's it's kind of the similar weather there. So. Anyway, like yours is worse. Yeah, probably in the winter time for sure. So we do have a show tonight. Hockey games sure. happened. The Red Wings, now to their credit, are still undefeated in regulation. That's a good place to be. If the I love how, how that's stated. It's such a stretch of the imagination. Undefeated in regulation. If the Penguins and the Blues and the Stars lose tonight, then the Red Wings will be the only team still undefeated in regulation. And they're, I mean, they're winning. They won last night. So, and they looked really good doing it. I was there. I watched Ben Sherratt destroy the entire Anaheim Ducks team. It was phenomenal. But there is something we want to get to off the top before we get into the game recaps and talk about the power play and the penalty kill and all that fun stuff. And I have already lamented on it. If you saw my five-minute major, if you didn't go back and watch it, uh, but I did a five-minute major on Jacob Verana, who is now in player assistance. So we hope he gets better doing the things he needs to do to recover and come back quickly. But the reverse retro 2.0 was released and I don't like it. And I want to get your guys' opinion on it because, I mean, you know, mine, they, I mean, they were just so close. It was like the biggest swing and a miss ever because they got everything right except for the colors. But I want to hear Ryan's take on it first and then Tyler's so that we don't talk over each other because this could get pretty intense pretty quickly see tyler even fucking logged off yeah yeah. (laughs) tyler is he said fucking left at this point but i want to hear yours ryan they picked the perfect jersey finally to bring a throwback back but what did they do they made it black how the hell how am i gonna edit out that slam on the desk (laughs) you don't need to it's that needs to be there. How do you put black in a Detroit Red Wings jersey, game worn jersey? 
I, whatever they've had the black ones before for like warmups or practice and blah, 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 blah. Go back to all of their jerseys throughout all of time. I think the only other random color they've had other than cream is like gold in lettering with the Detroit Cougars. Nowhere, anywhere is there fucking black. Actually, I think that was yellow and I would have taken yellow in a jersey. Sure, that would have been fine. Not black because they finally brought back the barber pole. Looks great with the red. They could have just flipped the red and the white. All you had to do. And guess what? That thing probably sells out within minutes. Will it sell out? Possibly because people are like, oh, it's different. It's black. It's red wings. It's not red wings. I'll tell you that fucking much right now. Black deserves nothing with this team. If you want to have it in apparel, sure. You want a hat? You want jumpsuits, t-shirts, sweatshirts. I've got a black sweatshirt. I don't care. It's not supposed to be in the jersey. I don't care if people don't agree with that. Ryan right now is like Simpsons old man yelling at Cloud Gif. And rightfully so. So I said the same thing. Yeah. Black is black is for practice jerseys. Black is for warm-up jerseys. Black is for training camp. Black has never been in any official capacity of a Red Wings jersey. And that was my initial point. I'm like, I would I like now. If you did black for like a third jersey, like an alternate, give me a cool black rando alternate jersey. But this is supposed to be a reverse retro. You're supposed to take an old jersey and reverse it. Literally, all you had to do was reverse the colors of the jersey. That was it. All they had to do. Red was white. White is red. Done. Beautiful. I just I don't get I don't get it. And there are people who are like, well, people have been asking for a black jersey for a long time. Not a lot of people. No. I want to know who, who the thing is, is I will maybe. okay. so when I saw it, what they did get right was the diamond patch. C looks really good. I love it. Yes, I agree with that. The other thing I love is that in a few months, it'll probably be a sixty seven dollar jersey at the Dick's outlet. And I'll just go pick one up because it's a sixty seven dollar jersey. But I, I mean, I just can't bring myself to like it. The pants make it a little better. The whole kit makes it a little better, but not. I feel like we're trying. Are we the Toronto Raptors? Are no, we're apparently the Chicago Blackhawks. We're the Chicago Blackhawks. You look at their fucking jersey and gee, stripes. Yep. But but Same black way. is also in their color scheme, so it makes sense for them. Oh. Tyler, what are your oh, thoughts? It's so weird. I'm getting ready to explode listening to this. Okay, so my first thought is congratulations. You have now joined the portion of, of teams in sports that feel the need to have a black uniform. So congratulations, even though there's no black anywhere that the Detroit Red Wings have ever used in their uniform. Have you had cream? Yes. Have you had the little bit of a gold? Yes. Have you had the gray on Centennial Classic jersey? Absolutely. This was a slam dunk layup if you just reverse the colors. That's all people want. That's all people want. You could have gotten creative. And reverse the color. Hell, I would like this jersey a little bit more if there was something on the shoulders. Why do the Red Wings refuse to put stuff on the shoulders? I do not know. Is it even up to them? That I don't know. I think it is an Adidas thing. I think it is up to them because at the end of the day, they have to sign off on it. It's their uniform. I'm not sure how the jersey deal works. Possible way that this organization did exactly. Everything perfect 
for years and years and years when it came to apparel, when it came to uniforms, when it came to alternate jerseys, winter classic jerseys. I mean, obviously they didn't have an alternate. So it was all the winter classic and the centennial and the stadium series, all of those. While the stadium series from 2015 wasn't the most per- perfect jersey, or 2016 wasn't the most perfect jersey, it was still a Red Wings jersey, not a black jersey. Black does not belong in the Detroit Red Wings uniform. Uh, you want to have a little bit of a black outline, fine. But more than that is just ridiculous. It absolutely is ridiculous. And you said that you thought that it was better that they put the um you know that they showed Dylan Larkin in it I thought it looked worse I thought it looked worse like I I just I just don't get it and and they better not wear a black helmet that's another thing so I haven't seen the helmet the only thing that makes sense nobody has that's the thing I I feel like the helmet has to be black because everything else is red if if they if they go black helmet you might as well call them the Ottawa Blackhawks devils no, it's the Detroit Red Blacks. Dude, I would rather have them have an all-black uniform with the with the winged wheel and a red um, stripe at the bottom, just inversing the normal jersey that they have. They now. have a jersey have like this that. shit. Well, remember when uh, Dallas did their neon jerseys? It was it was all black with the neon green Dallas logo. Yep. So I jokingly made a Red Wings version of it. It was all black with like a neon red Red Wings logo and neon to like a, a single neon red stripe on each arm and then a neon red band on the bottom. And that would have looked better. Can we agree that this one is better than the last one? I Unfortunately. So I, I said it is a different kind of bad. It's like adjacent to it because... The last one was bad because they put absolutely zero thought into it. And they're like, oh, shit, we still have to do the Red Wings one. And they're like, just slap a silver or a gray band on it and call it a reverse retro, even though it looked like nothing ever. This one, they're like, guys, what if we like do exactly what they want, but then just fuck up the color? And that's what they did. And I just think it's an it's an adjacent kind of terrible. This is Adidas to a T. Take something fantastic and fucking ruin it. Because look what they did to Michigan all the, when they had Michigan for several years. They made them neon yellow. Not maize, not yellow, neon yellow. When Michigan switched to Adidas, it was terrible. Yep. And it fit perfectly because when you look at how the football and basketball team were doing during that time, they fit the mold of being hey, shit hey, Adidas. Hey, we're not we're not doing doing Michigan hey, football. It was too perfect for right. the Rich Rod and Hoke era. He's right. It was perfect. It was laughable for that era. And and you know, being a Michigan fan myself, I know exactly. Yeah, he's not wrong. That that Adidas is like, if you wear that still, you're either a diehard or you're an idiot wearing that shit. Because that maze is certainly not made. But going back to the Red Wings jersey, just real quick. They could have done an inverse of the 2009 Winter Classic jersey that they weren't during the the um, the 20 uh, what was it the 2014 Winter Classic alumni game the red with the white stripe the red D and the red numbers on the back perfection it like the 09 Winter Classic jersey I know some people don't like it that is the best alternate Red Wing jersey that there is. Like, there's a million mocks online of what they could have done that would have been better. Like, CV design 
all it of those would have been fantastic. No sense. I don't know if it was taken out of their hands. I can't imagine it would be taken out of their hands, but I, I mean it, I'm honestly convinced that it was. I don't think they had control over it. I, I was like, you guys are gonna to love this. Mind. Here's the release. Boom. They had to up. This would have been better for y'all, you guys that can't see this gray. It's it's a gray jersey with with a white stripe and the red barber pole. That would have been better than this because at least the Red Wings have used gray in the past, albeit in a in a very minuscule manner, but they've used it in the past. I digress. <laughs> that was like the world's quickest digression. So, I I mean I think you can gather from all of this that we don't like it. Uh, we would have greatly preferred something else. And I think what they should do if they have also, a plan on doing another one of the oh god. Also. You could have just, I know the reverse retro is supposed to be take a jersey and inverse it. Well, you could have done what Washington did and just brought back one of the Winter Classic jerseys or brought back one of the old, um, the Barber Dude, they Bowl got one, screaming the Eagle. It's amazing. Oh, it is. The Screaming Eagle jersey is awesome. I love it. But we need to move on to other topics or else we will literally spend an entire hour like yelling about the reverse retro jersey, which would be fine. I mean, people. People would listen to it, but then other people are like, I love it. I'm an emo kid and I want a black jersey, which I can I get that. <laughs> you, I you understand because I am an emo kid. Yes, I, I listen to the music and all that, but I I'm going for the Red Wings traditionalism in don't uh, your your team's been around for almost 100 years. Don't don't start adding black to the jersey. There's no reason to do that. Just stop. Especially when it looks like the Blackhawks. Come on. Like like Michael Jordan <laughs> says, stop it. Get help. That's what we say. And we are going to actually move on to actually. So, again, I want to do one more thing because we've got an awesome segment now that we're going to just carry throughout the whole season because it's hilarious. It is called Rass Chirps. I started hashtag Rass Chirps on uh, Twitter because Mickey Redmond had said that Rasmus, a big part of Rasmussen's game is chirping. And I'm like, I don't think so. And then Daniela confirmed that, no, he does not. But I thought it was funny because. I started asking him, like, what does Michael Rasmussen chirp at people like? I bet you buy off brand cereal or something like that. So I'm picking some of them each week to read because there are a lot of really funny ones that come through. So from give Moritz the A on Twitter, you must take after your mom because you definitely don't fight like your dad. That's probably a Rasmussen uh, chirp. Uh, Let's see. What other ones do we got? I've seen coupons save more than you. You're scratched more than a lotto ticket. That's one from the Clankster. That's a good one. <laughs> That's great. Dave Maloli says you like your steaks well done. That would be a good one. Uh, ben Sherratt's Roaming Conscience says who ties your skates. So all of these are just supposed to be like mild mannered, just like chirps that don't really like you listen to them and you don't really think anything of them, but they like wear on you the more you think about them. That's some Shorzy level type stuff. As someone said, they read all of these in Shorzy's voice. A lot better. of these remind me of the, uh, I don't know if you guys remember in the uh, the first time we played Tampa in the playoffs, I think it was 2014 or whatever. Um, they had the, the hashtag, hashtag Brian Boyle things and people would be like, Brian Boyle wears socks with sandals. We do that Hashtag with Corey Brian Perry. Boyle that's the Corey Perry things. Yeah, we do Corey Perry things now. Yeah, well, that's perfect because he's on Tampa too. So there you go. No, that started well before he was at Tampa. During the Chicago game, Sarah said, nice haircut, Patrick. Which flavor of ramen did you use this time? <laughs> Get it? Because Patrick Kane's hair looks like ramen noodles. 
so there's a there's a lot of one of them uh my one of mine was how many overdue library books you got bud but there's a lot of really funny ones that came through so during the week you can go on and use hashtag rash chirps during the games and we will read a few of them each week on the podcast because a lot of them come through and they're really funny so i do want to move on though to the player of the week and before we get to the game recaps and that is dominic kubelik so he was announced this week as player of the week what a steal, guys. This kid, and we said, man, if he could just get back to what he was that first season in Chicago, then we've got something. I mean, that's a huge win. He signed like a $2.5 million deal, which is looking like it could be a steal. So right now, Dominic Kubelik has eight points in five games. That's the most points through their first five games since Paul Coffey. Uh, three goals and five assists, and he's feeling good. I mean, and he's looking really good, too. He's being used in special teams. He's out there in five-on-five, five, uh, just, I mean, killing it. Right now, His uh, he's splitting offensive zone and defensive zone starts. His course is a little low. It's at 40.4%, but he's averaging 15 minutes of ice time. And, I mean, he's just, he's showing up. He had a three-point night against the Ducks, and just he seems to be every time there's like a play developing, he seems to be in it. And that's what I want to see from Kubelik because he has a monster shot. We've seen it. It's accurate. And he gets it off quickly, which is what you what you wish. You wish Zadina was doing what Dominic Kubelik is doing right now, because this is the season that Zadina's got to do it or he's not going to do it. So I, I I don't think I could be more impressed with what Kubalik is doing or how fast that he's caught on. No, I, I think this is a now granted it's only a couple games into the season, but he he has been a slam dunk acquisition and something that is a breath of fresh air with Burt going down and Verona being out for however long that could be. Um, this is what Detroit needed. They're exposing themselves in terms of what their depth is. And I say that in a positive light because we, I think, anticipated him to be a bottom six type guy, but not as a bad thing. It's that he was providing this team with depth scoring, but now he's doing it in all situations, not just five on five. He's out there being a dynamic threat on the power play at a great shot that Larkin got to go off on the power play just yesterday. And it's consistent through these first several games. And I think that's been the key for it is that we knew what he had done to see him come out and kind of spark himself into something like that again, which was a 30 goal scorer. It, it, it's the best case scenario right now. Now, is that going to be maintained? Probably not. However, well, his shooting percentage right now, if you're asking if that's going to be maintained, no, what is it? No, he's at 21%. That's a lot. That's really high, Ryan. Oh, I know it's high, but I mean, for typical goal scorers, I mean that it won't drop too much. I mean, you would expect it probably to drop about 10% at some point. Now, unless he starts continuously going crazy and he keeps it at 14-ish, then we're in a real good spot. I'll tell you that right now. Well, if you look at his PDO, too, his PDO is at 109. So he's getting very lucky with his shots as well. And we'll get into that in a minute with an article that Max wrote up. Yeah, but if you watch the goals, like, I get that there's luck there. but Their goal scores goals. Oh, yeah. They're they're the type of goal that we've clamored for Zadina. I'm making the comparison now because you brought him up. But the type of things like a quick rebound or a one-time shot, 
those are the things that we've been looking for from Zadina that haven't occurred. I'm going to say yet, do I expect it to happen? Who knows? But that's what we've been hoping for from a young Phil Zadina. Yeah, I, 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 I've liked his game a lot so far. He's been, you know, obviously the best acquisition so far. You know, that, that can obviously change. And but, that's saying uh, something because all the acquisitions have been really good. Good. Yeah. Schrott's been good. Cop's been pretty good. Perron's been fantastic. Uh, if it wasn't for Kubalik, you know, playing the way he has, you know, Perron would probably be the number one guy uh, of the week. But no, I mean, Kubalik's been good. I mean, he's been obviously kind of lucky. The fact that Bertuzzi went down and he got called up to the first line and he's been playing with good players. But um, he's also earned that. So sometimes you make your breaks and, uh, you know, he's been good. You, you you can't really say much more. The contract's fantastic. I mean, you have him for one more year after this year at, what, two and a half. So, like, you know, you that's a good contract. The other thing that you notice about this team, uh, and before we get into the, the recaps, this team is big. A guy like Dominic Kubelik, six foot two. So I, and and as you guys know, that's not that's not on skates. That's six foot two off of skates. So he's about six four on skates. This team is huge. This Red Wings team. Yeah, and the other thing you got to look at too is he's twenty seven. His birthday is in August, so he's like a year older than Dylan Larkin. So he's young. He's shown that he's still got the skill. Then that Chicago had tried to ruin him, and we won't let them. But how much egg on their face do they have right now, the Chicago Blackhawks, for not even giving them a qualifying offer? Like, that blows my mind. Same thing with Suter last year. He came out firing on all cylinders, too. Now, granted, it's a different type of player, but that's two years in a row. You're just like, what were you guys thinking? So there's a quote from Kubelik in one of Max's articles from The Athletic. It says, I was kind of looking to get back to where I was when I came and back to my game. Because I know that last year, pretty much the whole season, I just didn't feel like myself. I wasn't getting scoring chances. I didn't even shoot. So my mindset before the season was that I want to get back to where I think I can be and where I can improve my game. And I think so far it's been good, but obviously I didn't think that it's going to be that good. So he didn't think he was going to be doing this, which I mean, now that he knows he can just just keep fucking doing it because it's been really, really good. So Dominic Kubelik is the player of the week. I mean, strong strides, great shot. I, I don't think you could ask for a better start. And, and of course, I mean, you couldn't because it was the same. I mean, most points through five first five games since Paul Coffey. And that was in 1992-93. So it's been a really long time. since. A very good roster, mind you. Yeah, since the players had that good of a, an initial start. So the next thing I kind of want to move on to is the game recaps. So the Detroit Red Wings play the Chicago Blackhawks and completely shit the bed. I really don't want to talk about it because they started out really, really good. The one thing I got out of this is Peter Mrazek still sucks. So that's good to know. Um, And that everything that I knew about granting someone a penalty shot goes out the window because I have seen much more egregious interferences on a breakaway than what happened to Athanasiu. And of course it was Athanasiu that scored the penalty shot or favorite guy, Greg. I fuck no stop it right now. What I took out of that game really was that that was not one of Ned's best nights, um, especially going into the third. But I mean, the, overall they played a really good game up until the third period. And then they fell apart. Like Dylan Larkin said after the game, they let off the gas. 
They can't stop trying to be offensive when they have the lead. I think the thing that saved them was that their penalty kill is godly right now. I don't know what's happening. Bob Bugner is some kind of evil genius, but their penalty kill, they had six, they took six penalties in that game and they killed all of them. So I'm kind of mad we lost that game. Now we did lose that game in overtime, so we still got a point. I'll take the point. But overall, I can't accept a loss to the Chicago Blackhawks because they're them in Montreal are supposed to be the worst teams in the league. Yeah, that was fucking pathetic. I have never been more mad, um, at least in the last like two or three years. Tyler was telling me he got violent. Oh, I was I was pissed. I wish I could bring my my um, my other roommate in here and and have him tell you how pissed I actually was. I actually got up when they scored that that overtime goal and stood up and like faked punched the TV. I was so fucking pissed. Like it, it's it's one thing to lose a game. It's another thing to lose a game to the Chicago Blackhawks who are punting this season away and want nothing to do with victory whatsoever. And you piss a game away to that team after you're up three to one in the third period. We'll talk about what happened after that the next day. That's just inexcusable. And I know Lalone uh, was not happy about it. Um, Dylan Larkin, of course, was not happy about it. Thankfully, it's only one game, and they did get a point, but they deserved two in that game, and, and they really let off the gas pedal. And the shots were close. I mean, 29 to 28 Chicago. But if you look at the, the, spray, char- uh, the spray charts, Chicago was scoring from different areas of the ice, and that was one thing that the Red Wings have been good this season at kind of blocking the middle where a lot of people like to shoot from. But you've got a goal from the top right closer to the blue line. You've got a goal from the left dot. You've got a goal from in front of the net to the right. You've got a goal from directly in front. So they were picking spots to shoot from and things were getting through. So they weren't being blocked as well. But Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on the Chicago game because I'm sad about it. Uh, My thoughts are I watched most of it from my phone because I was down in Ohio at my parents' I got lucky enough to watch the overtime period and couldn't believe that somehow they didn't finish that game off. They just dominated right out the gate in OT. I thought Larkin had incredible opportunities. And then I'm not really sure what he was trying with that wraparound. Maybe it was just fatigue and he thought he was going to sneak something by or, or whatnot, but it led to the break that ultimately shot them in the ass. And I was just like, come on, man. But it's, what I still appreciate about it is that yes, they collapsed. Chicago did come back, but they still fought. Now I'm not going to give any blame at the end there to Ned and how that goal went in, but I mean, it, it is, it's, it is what it is. So Lucas Raymond too, man, Lucas Raymond has had the worst luck at some points. He wasn't Lucas Raymond who basically coughed the puck up to Max Domi trying to skate by and Max Domi just stole the puck from him and then won it in overtime. And yeah, it's just it's dejecting. And you even saw Lucas Raymond go to the bench and Larkin kind of tapped him as like, dude, it happens. But Lucas Raymond, like we said, hasn't had a terrible start, but he's just not scoring goals. That's the problem right now. That was a lazy play by him too. He was just trying to, he was just trying to get by the guy 
but like he lost handle of the puck. You really, when you're the last guy back and there's nobody behind you and you're in three that, on three, that blue line, man, it'll get you. Yeah. You, you better make sure that you hang on to that puck. And I mean, not, not that I like to give these guys shit because I know they, they deal with enough, but I mean, that, that, that can't happen, especially against a team like Chicago. And it didn't help too. Cause it wasn't that Chicago's opener. That was Chicago's home opener. Yes. So they had all of that energy still going. I mean, you have Detroit as your home opener. It's going to get crazy, much like when we had Montreal in town for the opener. Yeah, and this kind of leads into Max's article, too, as well. It was the same one that he had the Kubelik stuff in, that the five-on-five play needs to take a step forward. So he says Detroit's five-on-five expected goal share is only 44.2%, which is fifth worst in the league. Shot share is the same at 44.85%, which is the seventh worst in the league, which means that during the games, basically, uh, for expected goal share, is that the the wings are are expected to score less than their opponents. Um, And that's not good. Now, he does say that you could take a couple games that are like really ice tilters, which I feel like the Ducks one was, but this is including the Ducks game. And it could fix those stats. Those could bounce back. But right now, their their special teams and stuff are saving them currently. And we'll talk about that, too, because that's kind of what I want to end the night on is PK and power play. But that is that's one thing is your the Red Wings for as good as they are doing are not doing that good at like an even strength or they're not do they're getting really lucky on shots. So it's it's something we look at at that Chicago game, I think, is a good example where they kind of fell back down to they didn't get really lucky in the third. They let into they let too much go by in the third. And that was kind of more like what they've been expected to do, but haven't done because there are other factors that have kind of saved their game. Yeah, no, I think the, the positive really up to this point has been the PK. I mean, yes, it's it's great that they're finally scoring the power play. We can talk about that all day because, well, they just didn't do it before. Also, clarity point, I totally got the overtime things mixed up between LA and Chicago, so the Larkin wraparound, I completely botched up on that one. So apologies there. Um, but the, the way they've been in terms of aggressiveness has been absolutely fantastic. And I think it was it Sean Shapiro or Jack Hahn just had a write-up about what they were doing on their PK recently. I, I think it was one of the two, but Shapiro. Yeah, and it's not something I think we can say we've seen in a very, very long time in terms of actually just trying to stop the team from shooting on them because I feel like whenever they're on the PK the last several years, it's been like, oh, here you go. Have at it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a big credit to Bob Boogner. So right now, the Red Wings have killed off 17 penalties. They're at 100% penalty kill. Now, they're tied for 100% with St. Louis and the Islanders, though St. Louis has only had to kill four. The Islanders have had to kill 22, so I would put us at second. The Islanders at first in penalty kill because they've killed more than us. But those are good teams to be aligned with in terms of a PK too. Because fourth is still San Jose with a 96% where Bugner left. He basically went and implemented that system. And he's like, you guys are not going to like, like give up power play goals. It's just not going to happen. So it's working here, uh, which is great because 
last season and the season before you felt like whenever you took a penalty, you're like, shit, there's another goal. We're going to, I mean, it's another point we're going to be down. But now when you take a penalty, you don't kind of sweat it as much because you're like, our penalty kill has been phenomenal. Not that you want to be taking penalties, but the penalty kill has been really good. And the power play has also started to click too. So that's, we were doing really, really bad in the power play, but we're up to 23.8%. I mean, around 25% is generally pretty good. You're scoring on one out of every four. You might want to be a little higher than that. Right now, Colorado's insane. They're scoring at a 52.94% on their power plays. Jeez, I wonder why. I, I mean, come on, they're the Colorado Avalanche. But then the next closest is Minnesota with 36.36. So you're coming up. I mean, I think you're, what, 15th, I believe, or 16th on, on power play now. And we scored three power play goals yesterday, which was beautiful to see. Because like me and Ryan talked about last week, the cycles are happening the setups are happening. It's only a matter of time before the pucks start going in. It feels like they're utilizing that bumper too, like the the Boston kind of made popular with Patrice Bergeron. Like they they've utilized it. They're kind of using the one three one too, but like they're moving it a lot quicker. It doesn't seem like they're taking stupid ass shots, but they're also not holding it too long. Like the one timers are good. The decision making is is direct. And it's not it's not like indirect decision making where they want to do something and, and they end up doing something else. There's a lot of it, it seems fluid. And dare I say, does it look like something competent, um, something that that you can kind of hang your hat on? And, and, you know, I was happy to get power plays yesterday. They were they were putting it all together. It seemed like, um, you know, I, w- I was hoping they would score on that last one. But like. Penalty killing and and power plays are the most important things. Um, you know, once it comes to, it can be the the, the difference between winning a game and losing a game, or making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Uh, and then also, you know, going forward, you know, winning a playoff series or not winning a playoff series, you take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you on the power play and special teams. And then, you know, secondary, can you kill penalties when when you take them? So. Um, yeah, the power play's been good. The penalty killing's been good. Um, I love how aggressive the penalty killing is. I, I think that's that's been a real big adjustment. I think before they were kind of staggered and, and kind of sitting back and just trying to block shots, where now they're trying to be a more aggressive and force the issue, which I like. I, I think that's the best style of a penalty killing because if you ever watch games, which everyone here does, um, you know, the penalty kills that are aggressive – it's annoying to watch because the other team can't get set up because they constantly have somebody in their face that's aggressive that that can take the puck away from them. So what ends up happening is you end up grinding down low and and nothing much really happens out of that. So overall, it's been good. Yeah, the way the way that they kind of rotate their top their forwards on the PK is refreshing because. You have one guy that goes out where, as before, I think you could say that Detroit would just have like I don't know one one two, but the middle guy wouldn't really move. He just kind of went goes side side to side, and you had your defenseman trying to clear things out of the crease area, <clears throat> and then one guy just as the the main attack, if you will, but he wasn't really pushing them. This year, it's the exact opposite, where that first guy is pushing that point, and so whoever's along his wing, where the other guy is kind of floating in from from in behind, while still also maintaining that that through passing lane. And I think that's been <clears throat> the real fantastic part about it because it's also leading to a lot of shorthanded opportunities. 
which they're utilizing the speed and the skill that they've got on the ice. And I, I think a big part of that too, that goes along with the speed and skill is Dylan Larkin's out there for this stuff. You've got Mo, Mo Sider out there consistently with Ben Sherratt, who's the bully. You're seeing Sunquist. You're really seeing a good mix of guys on the ice on the PK that have speed and skill. Suter's still one of the top PKs on, guys on this team because of the way he's able to manipulate and break up a passing lane. So Malone is using that speed and movement to his advantage, and it's fantastic. Oli Oli Mata too has been like a revelation for yeah, this team. Sorry, I didn't get to him. Yeah, that's and we talked about him last week too. Like he's been phenomenal in what he's doing. They say Oli Mata has been up there. I mean, the, the same as Mo Sider in terms of effectiveness currently. Now that's probably going to change throughout the season, but if it doesn't, watch out because that's another. I mean, fantastic defensive presence you have and it's uh, again like Kubalik. Kubalik was a shot in the dark and you're like maybe he can recover what he had Olimata was like we need another responsible defenseman to pair with Hironik because Hironik had defensive lapses last season now Hironik has also looked much better this season but Olimata I think is way more than what you hoped you were going to get for him because I mean he's he's getting points he's being very, very responsible defensively. And it's like he's rejuvenated himself in this lineup. And I don't know if it's a coaching change or a system change or whatever, but he looks really, really good. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like Mata, uh, Kubalik and Suter. I mean, Chicago must be just shaking their head for all these guys. I mean, Mata, you know, a little bit of an old, older guy, but, you know, Suter and Kubalik are guys that, I mean, you're not going to build around, but those are guys that you could have kept relatively for cheap. And Kubalik is 26, you could or 27. You could have totally made him part of your core team. What What did they do by trading the Brinket? The Brinket was what 24. They They admitted that they were going to tank this season by trading to Brinket. Yeah, and and you know what? Then and we can get into that another time, but. Amada has been fantastic. He's always been kind of a shutdown guy. I know early in his career with Pittsburgh, he was, you know, uh, thought to be a power play quarterback kind of thing. And, you know, that didn't really materialize, but he's gotten better, you know, on the defensive side of the puck. And, and, you know, he's really been a good shutdown guy for a while now. And I mean, going, even going back to his LA days, he doesn't get a lot of points, but he defends a lot. And I mean, you know, he's been on some, pretty good teams you know looking back to Pittsburgh and I think the 1920 Chicago team wasn't that good but I think they were still in the playoffs right because of the the bubble the lockout there or no sorry not not the lockout the bubble um up in Toronto uh you could correct me but either way I mean he's been on some good teams and when he's on good teams I know he's on like the second and third or third D pair but he's a shutdown guy and and you need those guys if you're going to be a playoff team so I have no problem with him at all. No, he, he's fitting a role that Detroit needed very badly. And when you look at where they've been the last couple of years, to have a guy in your middle pair or third pair, depending on how things are going, like that's that's huge. And he's helping Hironic be Hironic by not necessarily having to worry fully on defense, but opening up his offensive ability. And it's it's showing. But what's crazy is Mata is also getting points out of all of this. So he's he's doing it all right now which is something I don't think any of us would have expected. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. 
New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. You like Dylan Larkin this season, maybe you think he's going to score a bunch, help you win. You can use things like that, combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I would agree. And and I think that that kind of moves us into the next subject where we talk about our game against the Anaheim Ducks where we we destroyed them. I mean, that was a... We destroyed them. It was an amazing win. And I mean, it was a complete dominance from start to finish. Now, unfortunately, Trevor Zegris did get a goal. I'm uh, not so happy about that. But we win five to one and our special teams kicked ass that game. We had three power play goals. The game was super chippy. I thought for sure there was going to be an all out brawl. Oscar Sundquist got his head bashed into the dasher and was bleeding. Ben Sherratt was uh, just destroying people. As Dominic Kubelik said out there, he said in, an, in the post-game interview, I look over and Sherratt's just out there killing people. And he's like, I look again, he's like, oh, he's doing it again. And it's, <clears throat> I posted the clip and there's a straight series where Sherratt takes out three people within a matter of 15 seconds and doesn't take a penalty because of the way he does it. And it was fantastic. That was so great. He shoved one guy from just below the goal line and he went shoulder first in the boards. That's how much force he put behind him. And it looked like a ta- oh, that one. It looked I'm like, oh, that's not going to do that. He like tapped him on the back and the dude just like head first right in. And he laid another dude flat on his back and he just went out there and like I was listening to Elliot Friedman's uh, 32 thoughts today. He's like someone sent me a funny clip of Ben Sherrod just out there dummying people. And that's what he did. And he's been doing it this season. That's how he played this whole last game, which is what we wanted out of Ben Sherratt is that is to be the bully without being stupid. So what Giovanni Smith tried to do was be the bully, but it was stupid because he would just go out and fight people and take dumb fighting penalties. And then he wasn't helping his team. And then our penalty kill was garbage and they would score and it was bad. And he was losing fights. So it wasn't fun to watch either. But what Ben Sherratt is doing out there. I now again, he's not the best defensive defenseman, but he is out there to make room for the offense. And he has been able to do that. Now, that same what a what people aren't pointing out is that same sequence. He is able to throw three people off their game, knock them down, be the bully, but then also help clear the puck out of the defensive zone. And that's another important thing is, while he's doing all this. He's puck tracking and he's watching the puck. Now, he didn't have to track it too much during that sequence because there was another couple passes before he got it, but he was also able to help get it out. So that's the thing is you got a guy who's in there who's going to open up. He's going to knock people off their game and he's going to get the puck and get it out of the zone. And that's what you want from someone like Ben Sherratt. And that's kind of what helped in that whole that whole game is we just kept pissing off the Ducks. The Ducks kept taking penalties. We capitalized three times. We shut down all of their special teams. It helped. They looked like trash, like they had zero transition game. I don't know what they were trying to do. I in the entire like second period, I think I maybe counted two clean entries into the zone for the Ducks. And they just looked really bad after everyone had said, well, this Ducks team is going to be pretty good. They're on the rise up. They've got good prospects and they're making they're going to they're going to 
they're in the same, someone said they're the same position as the Red Wings, which, I mean, maybe you can try and argue that, but it didn't look like that last night. Oh, so you can't be a really good team just because you have a guy making a pretty play? Oh, I don't think that makes your team, Ryan. Huh, that's so crazy. I, I just I just want to throw a thought on Ben Sherratt. I love everything he brings to the table. There was one thing that it looked like he tried to, like, take the stick off his or take the hand off his stick and try to punch the guy. It didn't love that. Uh, it was behind the net. I don't know if he went to shove him and it, but it, it looked like he wound up and went like this and, and missed the guy, thankfully. But like, th- that's the stuff you can't have uh, if you're Ben Sherratt. But I mean, you know, uh, the wings haven't had that in a long time. I know they've had some stupidity on offense, but they haven't had a, a defenseman with, um, uh, I know a lot of people say snarl. He, th- this guy has some snarl to his game. Grit, grit. It's grit. 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 Grit, snarl. You know, it's all the same no, shit. No, we're going to say paper, grit. We got to go with grit. In, in, the, in the words of Helene St. James. Tyler, do you, know what, do you know what sandpaper has? Do you know what it's rated by? It's rated by its grit. Grit. Yes, grit, sandpaper. You know what I mean. So I like Ben Sherrod's game. I that was one thing I was like, mm, I don't know. That's 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 you know over the line almost. But whatever, you know what? It, it is what it is. We haven't had a player like that in a while, and um, you know he's going to be here for a while because he's got what three more years after this year. So um, he's going to be one of those guys. Either you really love him, or you know at one point or another at the end of his contract you don't like him like you did like a big error to, nah. to not say his actual name nah, let's not go there i don't think anyone will come close he he's the guy that you hate when he's not on your team and i think that sh- has shown through because watching him up until now it was fuck this guy now it's <laughs> you, you guys gotta deal with him and he's ours you suck that that's where we're at and we can finally enjoy that type of shit disturber uh, and it's it's refreshing because it takes some pressure off Mo because it, it seems like though Mo is not doing, he's struggling a little bit offensively. He got his I, first I, I point that. during that game. He did, but I, I, so I was going to say, I say that loosely, but he's been, I think a little bit more sound defensively. There's been a few, what was that moments I would say, but that's also to be expected. And I don't think any defenseman can get away with being, having a perfect game every single time out there, but there's going to be a lot that Mo is going to be able to learn from a guy like Sherratt and the way that he plays because he knows when to turn on and off when it comes to offense and defense in terms of go after something versus not. And also his aggression. I think if we've seen Mo be a, a little bit more chippy and uh, going after teams already. And I think that's a direct correlation to what Sherratt's been providing to him. Yeah. So during that Ducks game, the Ducks had – Jeez, the Ducks had 33 shots on goal when their shooting percentage was 3%. The Red Wings had 41 shots on goal with a shooting percentage of 12.2. So I was there. It was a great game. It was a great game to watch in person because stuff happened. Like normally you go to a game and sometimes there's like a really boring period. Stuff happened in every period. And it was a fantastic game to be there and to watch. Coach Lalone after the game said it was an assistant coach's wind where the special teams were dynamite. I would agree, but someone else responded with dynamite is almost an insult that they were so much better. It was like one of those old time cartoon bombs. that They do more damage than they should because it's a cartoon. And that's kind of what it was, was that the Red Wings, people had been complaining about, 
you can't complain about the penalty kill because it's at 100 percent. But people were complaining about the power play because it hadn't been clicking. We're like, just give it just give it some time. It'll get there because you can see that you can see what they're trying to do. And it's only a matter of time before it happens. And it started in Chicago and it carried over to Anaheim where it just took off. So I would agree that that is a win for Alex Tangay and uh, who Jay, Jay Varehi. What's his last name? He's one of the others. Oh. Yeah. So Jay is Ooh. the other power play coach. Him and Alex Tangay are both working on the power play. And it's credit to them because they're the ones that are, are setting that whole thing up. So they they capitalized on their opportunities with the Ducks and they just made them look like fools, which was fantastic. I loved it. One thing I noticed that's kind of fantastic, and I know it's going to go down because that's just how it's going to be. Detroit's averaging four goals a game. Their, their goals four per game is at four. Yeah, their offense is very good right now. That's fantastic. I, I mean, I get it. Five games. I'll calm down. But going back, when's the last time through a five-game stretch that they had, they were averaging four, four more goals a game? It's probably been a while. I mean, last year I don't think counts because they had seven goals in the opener. But Right now the Red Wings are sitting at sixth for goals per game at four, tied with Dallas. The highest right now is Pittsburgh, which they're they're insane this season. I had no idea they were going to do what they're doing, but their goals per game right now is pissed. Their goals per game right now is 5.2, Buffalo 4.4, Boston 4.3, Ottawa 4.2, Dallas 4, Detroit 4. So, I mean, you're outscoring Colorado. You're way outscoring teams like Vegas. Toronto right now is sitting at three goals per game. So you're doing a lot now that's saying that you will probably fall back down to earth a bit. But your shots per game right now is at 32.8. So you're at the middle of the league in shots per game. Your shooting percentage right now is at a 12.2. So you're in the top of the league for shooting percentage. So you're not getting as many shots as the rest of the league, but you're capitalizing on the shots that you do get more often. So, I mean, again, it's still very early in the season. We've got a lot of games left to play, but right now they are doing very good. And if we can get it's better. I I just want to say one thing, too, like it like Ryan says that that we can't continue this offense, but why not? But I don't think you can't continue at the same rate that they're at. Lucas Raymond doesn't have a goal yet. Andrew Kopp doesn't have a goal yet. Um, yep. You know, Mart Sider has one point. That You got to think that's going to change at some point. Will Kubelik come back down to earth? Yes. But what if Lucas Raymond descends and becomes the player that we all hope and, and think he's going to become this year? Um, you know, there, there's still... And Dylan Larkin's kind of leading the way. He's got seven points in, in five in, in the five games. And, um, you know, I mean, he's been fantastic. But in terms of, of other guys, I mean, you know, Bertuzzi's going to come back at some point, and he's, he's going to contribute to the offensive part of the game. Um, hopefully, Jacob Verana, you know, hopefully everything's going well with him, you know, going forward. He's going to contribute at some point, we hope. Um, Robbie Fabry. Robbie Fabry, another guy. Um, is is Edvinson going to come up at some point on the back end? You've got Mark Pissick, who's actually a really good defensive defenseman who will come back in and probably slot in for Haig. So your defense could be even better. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and Zadina, I mean, we, we, we say now or never, but I mean, 
at some point he's got to score, right? Even if it's like the Johan Franzen kind of guy where he's he has five goals in five games and then you don't hear from him for 10 games and then he goes off again. Yeah, but Franzen at least had a, a history of putting goals in, in consistently. Zadina doesn't yeah. have that luxury right now. No, Zadina doesn't have that. You know, I was really hoping that breakaway last night against Anaheim was was going to get him jump-started, and he shoots it right at him. It's just like Lord Elmer with a goal last night again. What a great stick to get that puck through in, into the net. Like, he – yeah, I know, phrasing. One, it, that's whatever. what she said. But two, you are absolutely correct because the play before that, he got sat on his ass, which I thought should have been a tripping – but he got sat on his ass and he got back up and the next the next sequence out there, he went and scored a goal. And it was the same type of goal as his first one. And those are the ones that he's going to get because around the net, even his size is one thing that's going to set him apart because it's hard to get him off the puck. But the other thing is that he's got up and tight. He's got great hands and he just in the puts, reach. Exactly. And it was a good goal. And I'll t- two goals in your first like six games, kid. Like, come on. It's it's. Almost unfair. It is unfair. With a guy of his size, if you try to body him up directly the way that they were in front and the way that Raz was able to get that puck across the front, he just reached through him. So, well, Elmer didn't. It was boom, done. That was it. His reach and size played into that 100%, and it's absolutely fantastic because, again, that's not something we're accustomed to. We're used to some guys having some skill around the net. We go back to the Homer years and just what he could do and wreak havoc in there. I'm not saying that's what the type of play that he's providing, but he's bringing that element that we haven't expected or experienced in several years. And it just adds to the things that are going well at this point in time for the season is that all the new guys that you weren't necessarily expecting to have an impact are having that impact. You could argue Perron that what he's doing, you, you figured he would do in terms of how he's kind of guiding this power play, leading the team. He's wearing an A, scoring goals. And he's making things happen at the right time. But Kubelik, he was a hope that he'd get find that, that scoring touch right out the gate. Mata's doing exactly, I think, what we expected of him. Now he's actually getting on the score sheet, which is interesting. Sherratt, you can say it for the same. But Soderblom, zero expectation other than, hey, go look good and don't get sent down for no reason. And he's, he's playing that right now. Yeah. You know, I mean that whole tank line as I like to call them or the redwoods or whatever you want to call is them. it. The redwood line is, is what no, they're the, the, the tree. Something has stuck and I'm very disturbed and upset. They by said it. the redwood Ken Cal calls it the redwoods. Yeah. And so did, so did, um, Steve Levy last night calling the ESPN broadcast called them the Redwoods too. So Elliot Friedman on 32 called it the treesome. He said, that's what's sticking. Oh, well, well, Greg, you just need to make a Redwoods shirt. I I like the Redwoods. I like the tanks. I like whatever, but not, not the treesome. I think that's a little, not, not, not a fan of it. It's very sexual. I don't like it, but, but those, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to go that far. But but those guys. That's exactly what it is, Tyler. That's the only way you can go with it. <laughs> those guys have been fantastic. I mean, you. It's the biggest line in NHL history, uh, and they're playing really good. They're grinding down. It seems like they have a lot of ozone time. Um, you know, and, and Rasmussen's playing fantastic. He's wearing four an points a. in five games, wearing an A. I mean, this guy was was in the 
you know, picked in the first round, you know, thought to have been potentially a bust. And he's really starting to turn it around. Will he ever live up to that first round pick? Probably not. But I mean, top 10 pick. Exactly. Top 10 pick. Will he ever live up to that? Probably not. But I mean, he's certainly trending up, right? And uh, that's all you can ask. I mean, you, you look at the comparison of top 10 picks. He's definitely hit more of a home run hit than Phil Zina right now. And that, I'm not trying to do that as an intentional dig, which is exactly how that came across. But he, he, that's the, the fact of the matter is that he's producing in areas that we want to see Zadina do. Now, Zadina's playing well defensively to an extent, but you can tell that the way things are going when he's got the puck or helping trying to drive offense, it's just not clicking. And whereas Raz, he's got that confidence when he's on the puck. He's afraid, not afraid to go to the front of the net. He's not afraid to throw the puck to the front of the net and hope that a guy will like Soderblom, for instance, can make a play and put it in. So with Raz, you're not expecting goals. You're hoping that he can make a play. Zadina, the expectation there is maybe he can set up a play, but he's not getting goals. And that's been that. That's the, the point of frustration. Yeah, Zadina's Zadina's biggest thing is is um, you know he's got to get to those dirty areas. Uh, I feel like you know he he does have a good enough shot where if he if he gets the confidence and gets it, puts himself in the right spot to shoot the puck he can score. But I mean we just haven't seen that consistently enough. So for now he's got to be I, I hate to say a grinder, but he's got to be one of those guys that gets in front of the net, tips and 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 you know puts some rebounds home. And, and, you know, maybe that'll build the confidence. I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're teetering on a bust here. It, I mean, I hate to say that, but, I mean, this is what, year four now? This, this, is, this is time. This is put up or shut up. You got to look at games played, though, too. I mean, it's year four, but in the first couple years, how many games did he play? He just got to a full season not too long ago. Like he's just got one, a little over one full season under his belt. So, yes, four years, four seasons in the NHL. Only what's what's he at game? So this now? is his fifth season. Season one, he played nine games. Season two, he played twenty eight. Season three, he played forty nine. Last season, he played seventy four. Yeah. Last year, going into last year, was his first full year. So he's finally at two full seasons played of hockey. Yeah, well, the thing is with him, too, is, like, there's there's eye test, too, right? Because, you know, he's he's gets himself in the positions to score, and he just doesn't. He just doesn't. And I know I hate to make this comparison. I'm not saying that he's this guy. I think he's more skilled than this guy. But Tomas Yurko was a guy that put himself in situations to score goals and – you know, had a million opportunities to score and he just didn't. And sometimes that's just who you are. I don't care who you were in junior where you scored a bunch of goals. Sometimes you come to the NHL and you're just overmatched or the pressure's too much and you just can't score. And that's that it is what it is. And we're getting to that point. I, I hate to say bust, but I mean, we're getting we're getting closer and closer to that point where that's more and more of a possibility. Like we say, give it this season, see what he does this season. And then you can make a determination on on what he's going to be going forward. I think if he gets another full season under his belt and he's a 10 goal scorer, then that's probably a decent issue. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree with that one. I mean, if he 
biggest thing is, does he surpass his point total? And that's 24 points, 10 goals, 14 assists after 74 games last year. That that has to be the bare minimum expectation for him. Really, it should be a 30-point season that he should be going for, if not 40. If you're getting to 40, you're in a good territory for him, and he's on the right, right trajectory. Now, you can argue that each year that he's played in the NHL, his points have gone up, but that's a, that's a low bar to argue with. So it's, it's on him at this point. Now, I get it. He's got to play. Coach has to put him on the ice to make this impact. But he's in the perfect storm with Burt and Verona both out. Now it's time. He's getting average time on ice in three games of 15 and a half minutes. You got to do something with it, man. That's it's simple. Whether it's to get rack up the assists, be a playmaker, go for it. I'll take that all day. If you're not scoring goals, set up goals. If you're not doing that, what else are you doing? Because is he out there on the penalty kill? So it's I'm not saying bust yet. I know you're kind of you're leaning that way, but it, this season is huge. Now I get it. He's got a contract that can be traded very quickly. We nobody here wants him to no, be a bust. Totally, no one yeah. has anything against him as as a player or a, as a person or anything like that. Yeah, he came in a little cocky. I'm gonna fill your nets with goals, but you know what? Goal scorers have a little bit of a cockiness and a little bit of an edge to them uh, because that's what makes them special. They score goals. So I have no problem with that, but you got to back it up if you're going to talk like that, man. And and he hasn't done that. So, um, you know, hopefully it comes. And if it doesn't, then it's going to he's going to have to be one of those guys that, that um, you know, revolutionizes his game and becomes a different player. Yeah, it, I just wanted to score, too, because when Ken Ken Daniels calls a goal for him, it's so good. There's, you can tell he's excited. As we go when he scores, he's as, as excited as all of us. And that's what, I just want to hear that more. So what I want to end the night with tonight is, one, the Dallas Stars no longer have uh, no regulation losses. They just lost to the Ottawa Senators. So there is that. And the other thing is on 32 Thoughts today with Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick, they did cover the Detroit Red Wings. And the question they asked is, are they for real? And they said they think a lot of it. The first they did talk about the the Soderblom, Rasmussen, Sunquist line that they keep starting games with that line and why not? Because it's working. But the other thing they said is it all depends on Dylan Larkin. They think guys like Dylan Larkin and that Dylan Larkin has looked absolutely phenomenal at the beginning of the season so far and that that's what they're going to need. And Elliot Friedman did end with saying that the, the city believes in them. The fan base believes in them and that he also thinks that the, that, they are for real that they could push because you need your that your homegrown vets and your homegrown players are probably further along than people thought they were and in a better position than people had thought they were. So Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick say, yes, the Red Wings are a legitimate team this season. I would agree with them, but I want to get your guys' final thoughts before we sign off. And I'm going to start with Ryan because he looks like he's been trying to say something, but I'm not letting him because I just keep talking. No, I actually must have fooled you on that one because I was just agreeing with you and going along with it. But uh, no, you you need Larkin scoring and driving this team, if you will. He wears the C for a reason. There are some people out there that probably still believe that he doesn't deserve that that honor. And all you have to do is look at what led to the L.A. game going to overtime to see that 
you have your captain. He's there for a reason, and he's not going anywhere. He's the second on this team in scoring, only behind Dominic Kubelik, who is on an absolute tear, as we discussed. But you need Larkin over that point-per-game threshold this season because if you do that, the things that we've talked about before, he now puts himself into an elite tier when it comes to NHL centers. That puts him easily in top 15, if not top 10 in scoring for centers. That is what is he's going to drive the bus. Now, biggest thing is, and we've already had a scare, he needs to be healthy. Because if he goes away with already Bird and Vrana out, we're screwed. Simple as that. What they've got, I think, is what we were hoping they would start with and start going into as the season progressed. I don't think I expected it to be no no losses in regulation through five games. They're beating who they we expect them to beat. Now the Chicago game, whatever, fuck them. But they're consistently out there competing. And I think that's what's key to this point already in the year is we're seeing what this coaching staff is bringing to this roster already and the impact that it's having on these players. And you can tell that they're bought in 100%. If that can be maintained as the season goes along and it's going to be a grind, I get it. But like we said earlier, and before the season started, there's going to be points stolen from these top teams that have been ruling the East for the last several years. That is going to open the door. It's likely going to lower that bar in terms of what it takes to get into the wild card spot. If Detroit can just keep fighting hard and putting putting the pucks in net, stealing a point, making it to overtime, or actually stealing a win, maybe those things come to come to a head. So but we'll see. A lot of hockey left. RD Ryan 33. Yeah, I agree. Lots of hockey left. Um, you know, they they look really good. They look sustainable, uh, especially given the fact that we said that, you know, some of their top guys still haven't haven't produced much yet. Um, and, you know, once that, you know, comes to a head and, and they start scoring, I mean, if, if the depth guys are scoring as well, that's where you're cooking with gas. And, uh, you know, so that's that's where you're in a really good situation um, offensively. The defense, I don't really worry too much about. I think the defense and goaltending is going to continue to be good regardless of the situation, uh, especially once Pissick comes back and all these other guys come back as well. And, hey, you know, maybe we see Edvinson at some point this year, too. So um, other than that, I mean, I, I really can't complain too much. Uh, I think it's been good. I think everything you said about Larkin, yeah, that's everything you want of a captain. So, you know, the team's been good. It's it's obviously early. Hopefully it's sustainable. Uh, I'm actually going to the game on Thursday against Boston, so I'm excited for that. Um, haven't missed a game here in Boston um, since, like, 03 as a Red Wings fan in Boston. So, um uh, that was on the line as well, but thankfully I, I'm, I'm going to be going to the game. So looking forward to that. Hopefully the voodoo of of the Wings not playing well in Boston can be extinguished. Um, I know they won there last year, so hopefully uh, that can you know be extinguished. But anyways, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Thank you, guys. Yeah, if you haven't seen our uh, thing we have started, we are doing the same card drive for Verona that we did for Dylan Larkin. So go check out our Twitter page. There is a post there with an address where you can send cards and pictures. It's a great thing to get kids involved in cards and pictures and letters and stuff to the Red Wings to give to Jacob Verana because of the yeah, the whole thing that's going on. 
But you can follow me online at Breaking the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network, where uh, we are hosted and spread around everywhere. Check out our merch shop right now for the next four days. There is a 30% off sale happening right now. Uh, we've gotten some pretty recently, but there is a really, really good sale happening right now. So all your gear. That's why season. shirts have been going off yeah. the shelves. Yeah. So f- for the season, you can get your shirts pretty early on at a pretty good discount. So go check it out. Just go to redbubble.com and search the grind line. We'll give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape. If you use the promo code Grindline, you get 10% off. If you use the same promo code to bring hockey back you get 12% off. We also give a shout out to Vintage Detroit for being the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. They are amazing. They do fun stuff with us and we love them. But that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.